This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. In the weeks since Whole Foods announced it will close its Englewood location, people have been brainstorming ideas for how to keep a grocery store at 63rd and Halsted. Well, an op-ed in today's Chicago Sun-Times proposes one idea for how to make that happen, a public option. The co-authors say the city of Chicago should step up to run a grocery store there. And they say the stakes couldn't be higher. People who live in food deserts are more likely to develop heart disease and diabetes. And a lack of healthy food options correlates with higher rates of poverty and lower educational outcomes. Joining us now to make the case for publicly owned grocery stores is Amaya Pawar. He's a former Chicago alderman, a senior fellow with the Economic Security Project, and a special advisor to the University of Chicago Inclusive Economy Lab. Welcome back to Reset. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Paul Williams, fellow at the Jane Family Institute and founder of the City for Public Enterprise. Hey, Paul, nice to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. Amaya, you voted in support of uh, the proposal for the Whole Foods back in 2013. Why? You know, at the time, uh, Walter Robb, who was the CEO of Whole Foods, had made it sort of his personal mission to tackle food deserts, not only in Englewood, but in Detroit and beyond. You know, he proposed forming community partnerships, finding ways to reduce costs so that people in the communities could afford fresh foods and groceries mm -hmm. and increase access. And it was a good, it was a really great proposal. Problem is, is that corporate strategies change, especially when companies are publicly traded. And Rob was out as CEO at the end of 2016 and Jeff Bezos and Amazon bought Whole Foods in 2017. And here we are. Well, here we are. Some people are saying it's a failure now because Whole Foods left after only six years. What do you say? I, I would say that, um, you know, I think the intent was spot on. I think uh, uh, Walter Robb and Whole Foods were trying to do the right thing. The problem is, is whenever we try to solve market failures by incentivizing market actors, we're subject to the whims of the market. So you might have a socially conscious CEO today who might be out tomorrow and you have a Jeff Bezos in charge uh, as as is the case today. So my, uh, what we propose is instead of being subject to the whims of the market and showering companies with tax incentives and subsidies, what if we just open these stores ourselves and create a public option in the way we operate O'Hare or Midway, another public uh, enterprise or, or the water system? To that end, Paul, in, in the op-ed, you mentioned how city governments often try to lure businesses like banks, like grocers and, and, and broadband providers to invest in communities with lots of incentives, right? So you said it doesn't always work. Why? What's your take? Well, you know, one of the solutions that, that cities uh, often provide to, to correct market failures when there's, you know, there's a food desert or, or there's uh, bad lending practices is cities will give um, a tax incentive or uh you know, some other investment subsidy to those operators. And essentially what those subsidies act to do is is they kind of subsidize the operating margins of, for example, a grocery store, right? If, you know, grocery stores don't want to come into areas where they're where they don't think there's enough demand and their profits wouldn't be high enough. And so subsidies change that equation uh, for them and, and it makes it viable for them for you know, some period of time, but say you give them a five-year or a 10-year incentive, when that runs out, the operating margin is no longer high enough for them to want to stay, and they'll just skip town, right? They made their money, and now uh, mm -hmm. it's easy for them to get out. And, 
you know, the issue for cities with that is that if you want them to stay, that's just an ongoing recurring subsidy over and over and over that you'd have to keep paying. Um, whereas with a public option, you can just operate a facility yourself and you can run it at cost. So, you know, instead of paying out money to a private company year after year after year, you could just run your own uh, uh, service like a utility yeah. just at cost, right? Interesting. So, Amaya, lay out then your basic argument for, for the city stepping in to, to manage a grocery store at that location. Well, I think part of the the... The goal would be is to work with Whole Foods to have them turn over the store, um, work with the developer to find out what the terms would be, and the city could step in and operate the store, as has been the case uh, in other communities around the country. Um, the city could staff uh, the store with uh, public employees, city employees that it hires. It could hire a management company to run this store. Um, it could work with a nonprofit partner um, and create some sort of hybrid relationship. There are multiple routes through which um, a public option could be achieved. Mm -hmm. Similarly, like at O'Hare or Midway, the city owns the airport, but we work with outside vendors uh, for restaurants or for retail options. And so this would be no different. There are multiple avenues uh, to explore here, but I don't think paying businesses to do right by communities uh, is necessarily the best step forward because it ends up costing us more in the long term and we're always subject to the whims of the market. Mm -hmm. To your point, the, the city of Chicago already manages massive businesses, right? O'Hare, Midway, uh, Chicago's water system. So help us understand, how do you imagine that this could be funded? Thankfully, uh, the, the city of Chicago is awash in federal recovery funds, most of which, uh, per Congress and Department of Treasury guidelines, uh, are, are to be spent to make transformational investments to increase equity, address racial and economic justice. So those dollars are available. There is uh, an opportunity to use some of those ARPA, those federal recovery funds, to uh, stand up and operate this grocery store. And let me also say that the city recently purchased an Aldi, um, a closed Aldi location. So, you know, the, the city's already tiptoed in this direction. Um, here's an opportunity to think and go big and mm -hmm. create an opportunity or a pilot to figure out ways to scale this in the long term. Yeah, this is a big idea at, at, at this point. Um, Paul, what would it take to make this a reality? Is it legislation? Do we need action by the mayor? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I think um, I think the, a helpful frame is is looking at other places around the country uh, that have done this and looking at how they did it. So um, there aren't all that many big cities that have kind of municipal markets, although, you know, the city of Atlanta has a municipally owned um, uh, market where there are multiple vendors who, who rent space uh, in it. Over the past few years, there's been kind of an upsurge of uh, rural towns across the United States opening up uh, publicly owned grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And these are all in, in food deserts where, um, you know, there were only a couple of stores in town and one of them shut down and, and the town just decided to purchase the land, uh, get a contract with the, the wholesale vendor, the provider of the food, um, and, and staff it up. Are you talking and, about the examples you bring up in the in the op-ed, uh, Erie, yeah. Kansas, and uh, Baldwin, Florida? Yeah, exactly. And, there, and there's actually uh, 
four or five of these across Kansas, and there's the one in Florida, and there's a couple in Nebraska, um, all following a, a similar model. And they, and as Amaya was saying, there's there's some of these have a different blend of, you know, the public is the owner of the property uh, in, in all of these cases. Sometimes there's a nonprofit group who actually manages the store day to day. Sometimes it's actually the public that, that does that management day to day. Um, so in terms of Chicago doing something like this, I, I, I think what you need is, is you need, um, you know, City Hall and, and the planning department to look into what kind of option um, would be viable. Uh, because obviously, you know, what's what's happened uh, with the Whole Foods Inglewood is is not a viable option. That's not a good option for the people of Inglewood. Uh, and Paul, who, and would, who would do the hiring and, and sourcing of, of products for the store? Well, uh, so in some of these other uh, towns that have done it, they they have a city employee who's the city who's the manager of the grocery store. Uh, and that employee does the, um, you know, does the purchasing and the hiring and, and all of that. In some of the other ones, the, the city has an operating contract, uh, like I said, with the nonprofit, and, and that organization does the inventory and hiring. I see. I think there's a number of ways that uh, it could be structured, but the, the kind of core piece is that uh, the public is the owner, the backstop, um, that is not going to let that store close down because it's not in the interest of the city. And, and we should be clear, this model is not a food pantry, Right. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, you know, in, in these other places across the country, they're, they're uh, real and true grocery stores, you know, where, where the people uh, of the town go to, to get all their groceries. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the potential benefits of the city stepping in to manage the whole food space in Englewood as a city-run grocery store. And we're talking with former alderman Amaya Pawar and Paul Williams, who's founder of the Center for Public Enterprise, you can check out their op-ed on this topic in today's Sun-Times. Amaya, we all know that there's a, a very real problem here in Chicago, and that's uh, corruption, right? Especially with politicians awarding contracts for their own gain. So what would you say to skeptics who are listening to this and they think that this would just get in the way of, of the model's success? I would ask them to take a look at, well, look at our current method of, of incentivizing businesses and banks and broadband providers to fill in market gaps. We keep throwing money um, at the problem and we get temporary band-aids and then eventually we're left to start over again. Um, certainly there are, uh, Chicago's in news quite often for corruption. Um, I get that. Um, but there are ways to model this in way, uh, it, such that you can have proper ethics uh, and proper structures in place so there's oversight. And again, let me remind you that we already operate large enterprises. Uh, we have O'Hare, Midway, the Water Department. And let me also add, people also in the city get upset when we privatize services, when we, get, when we let private operators take over the parking meters, or when, we, when there was a conversation about turning over Midway to private operators. We don't like that. Imagine just flipping that narrative on its head and say, well, what if we just took more things public so that we're not you know, at, at, at the mercy of uh, uh, distant shareholders, that local stakeholders matter more than quarterly returns. And these things don't have to lose money. O'Hare doesn't lose money. It actually makes quite a bit of money. Um, so I, I would just say that there are, you know, obviously it takes people to have an open mind, um, but these are long-time entrenched problems, and our current solutions haven't worked. So it's, try, it's time to try something new. Paul, you also work on universal basic income programs and uh, 
on building more housing. And you advocate for people, and in, in some cases, governments, to, to get involved in the market for, for favorable outcomes. Why? Uh, yeah, great question. You know, the way I think about this is 100 years ago, almost everything in cities was operated and provided by by private companies. And in the 1910s and 20s, there was uh, a progressive reform movement in cities to bring more uh, services under public provision. So that's things like uh, transit companies, streets, street lights, sewer systems, water systems, all of these things were private for a very long time. Um, and now in almost every city across the country, these are these are public services. And it would be, uh, you know, we couldn't think of them any other way. That's that's just what they are. These are services provided uh, by the city. And there's a number of other services <clears throat> where we have market failures, where we have people whose needs are not met by, by the pure market provision. And cities should be moving in the direction of bringing more services into that public provision basket. Uh, in, in these cases where we see these, these serious market failures, right? And food deserts are a serious market failure. That's, that should be an unacceptable solution or unacceptable situation for, for cities. And, and this is also the case for things like housing and banking, uh, internet, all of these things where the market is not really there to, to meet everyone's needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, a public grocery store, that can be seen as a socialist move by some people, but the mayor in Baldwin who bought the last remaining grocery store was actually a Republican. Yeah, I think to me, there's nothing socialist about the public participating in the market. Um, you know, if if the city were to operate the Englewood Whole Foods, it wouldn't be taking over the grocery market in Chicago. It would simply be operating a store. Similarly, going back to the airport example, we operate O'Hare and Midway. It doesn't stop Palwaukee Airport uh, from existing. Um, so participation in the markets is different than, say, a takeover of the markets. Um, it just means that we're bringing competition in, in some cases. In other cases, we're just filling a market gap or a market failure, um, which is what we're trying to do in Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Anything to add, Paul? Uh, yeah, just one thing on that. You know, um, in what we currently do today is is give subsidies out to private companies um, uh, in order to you know get them to come into our neighborhoods and that's and that's just an expensive thing to do over and over if we're participating in the market that's actually and you know we're running a store at cost at the end of the day that's actually softer uh, on on taxpayer dollars that's a that's a better use of the money that the public uh, is the steward of well, listen, Amaya, when we talked to you last summer for our, our series, Reimagine Chicago, you also pitched the idea of a public bank for Chicago. How would that work? Well, I mean, again, I think part of what we're trying to solve in communities like Inglewood and other communities where the financial markets don't serve people equitably is we're trying to solve for a lack of systematic lending and access to capital with everything but lending through grants and tax credits and other things. The way I see a public bank is imagine if we wanted to scale this and open up more grocery stores. Well, you have a bank that could finance this type of business. If you had a public bank in Chicago, you could finance a public option for child cares because most Chicago kids live in communities where 
they live in childcare deserts. So what you what we're trying to say here more broadly is that we're not talking about market takeovers. We're talking about using public finance and public power to participate in the market, not take them over to solve market failures. And, you know, it's worked in other states. North Carolina, for example, operates all the liquor stores and they do so very effectively. So there are models for this around the country. This isn't radical. This is really just pragmatic and it solves a major entrenched, persistent social problem in Inglewood and it could solve others as well. That's former Chicago Alderman Amea Pawar and Paul Williams, who's founder of the Center for Public Enterprise. You can check out their op-ed, End Food Deserts with Publicly Owned Grocery Stores, in today's SunTimes or at suntimes.com. Amea and Paul, thanks so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.